All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Um, this week we got a special guest uh, with us, and I met him uh, a few years back, 2019, uh, at the Oxford Treatment Center. Uh, so, Brian, welcome. Glad you could uh, join us uh, on episode 20. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really glad to be here. 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, right right before I moved. So that was right before I moved to LA. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, so Brian, tell us a little bit just about yourself. Um in two minutes, kind of who you are. Who's Brian? Two who is Brian? Well, I am originally from Mississippi. I grew up uh I was born in nineteen seventy six. I'm forty five years old. And uh, I grew up in the, you know, the eighties the 80s and 90s, dreamland, dreamland time. <laughs> and I I always wanted to live in Los Angeles. That was always my dream. But when I graduated or when I went to college, I, I started off in pre-law of all things. <laughs> and then I ended up changing my major like six times. I, I think I ended up, I know, right? I, I was majoring in music and then I changed my major to theater after I saw The X-Files for the first time. I love that show so much. And so I graduated college, went on tour as an actor. And instead of moving to LA, I moved to New York City. I lived there about 12 years and worked off and on as an actor and a server and an assistant. <laughs> and around that time, I, I, I started using drugs and, you know, I, it was a pretty progressive thing for me. It was really, it really creeped. My addiction really creeped. And uh, eventually I did try LA. I was out here one year, crashed and burned back in, back in Mississippi. And after uh, a few months, I went to treatment. Lived in Mississippi five years. At the end of that's when we met. And then I moved out to LA pursuing the dream again. I've been out here two and a half years. So uh, that's my, that's uh, two minutes. It just clicked to five. five. Yes, <laughs> I did you. it. <laughs> he dumped proud of you. Good job. I just threw out a number, but hey. <laughs> so hey, I, I can do it. <laughs> hey, we, we can all do it. <laughs> um, so what are you doing now? Because so you said you used, um, struggled with that. Um, and I met you, um, when you were working in, uh, Mississippi. So kind of tell us, um, what got you working in, uh, mental health and addiction? Um, cool. Well, interestingly enough, it was getting fired from a job. <laughs> when I had two years clean, I was in a job I hated. I was working as an assistant at a wealth management company. And I was like, I guess I'll just stick this out. And the universe had different plans for me. And I got laid off January 2nd. And uh, I waited tables for a few months. And what's interesting is our biggest client at the wealth management company owned Oxford Treatment Center. And he, I went to him, I said, hey, I'm thinking, because I didn't want to work in treatment. I didn't want to be one of those people who worked in treatment, live treatment during the day, you know, work in treatment. Like I just wanted to stay away from that. And plus I wanted to be an actor. And I, uh, I reached out to him and he said, I might have a job for you. And I swear one day I was waiting tables and I had started to think about drinking again. Like the drink started to look a little more appealing. Yep. And I went home and I said, I don't know about this 
job anymore. I opened Facebook and there was a job opening at Oxford Treatment Center. I applied a month later, I had the job. And so I did that job for two and a half years, all the while wanting to come back to LA. And then it never crossed my mind that I could transfer within the company. So that's what I did. They moved me out here. They paid for me to move. However, after a year in that job, um, I got recruited by a different treatment center. And it was uh, it was a hard decision, but I, I left my old job and started working at Breathe, Breathe Life Healing Centers here in LA. And I love it. I mean, I'm still pursuing my dreams of, of acting. I just directed a short film. I applied for a grant with Netflix, a filmmaker grant. I'm hoping that pans out, but I still love my job. I love helping people. It's just the most fulfilling thing. Yeah, it's got to be, and especially having been a user and being able to relate and really understand what those people are going through that are in that treatment center at that time and have those conversations that some people can't because they just haven't lived it. Um, how has that played a part in uh, you know, kind of your work over the years at the treatment centers, and has it helped you with your recovery? I would say... It's interesting because it's a plus and a minus sometimes. It's hard to talk to someone who's using drugs. It <laughs> it's hard to talk to someone who's not. They don't. And uh, sometimes with the clean addicts don't want to listen <laughs> sometimes. But I will say um, I have to, I can, I'm able to put myself where they, I'm able to remember what it was like. And so that really helps me when I'm talking to them because I've been there. And sometimes they just want to hear that I've been there. When I tell them I've been where you are, that makes a huge difference. However, I talk to family members a lot too. And sometimes family members, when they find out I'm also an addict, they don't like that because they've been so harmed by addicts that some, I don't always tell the family. I don't always tell families. I just tell them that I know what it's like um, to have loved ones using drugs because I do, I do absolutely know what that's like. And so it's incredibly helpful at my job. I don't know how anyone would do what I do not being in recovery, but they do. I mean, people do it all the time. And my therapist in treatment, I'm so grateful for him. He helped me in ways, so many great ways. He's not in recovery at all. So you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people I've met along the ways who haven't been in recovery, but I feel like the ones who have, you have a little deeper connection or I did because it's like you do uh, know where I've been in my shoes, but I still learned a lot and have a lot of respect for those who work in recovery, but aren't having to work recovery for themselves. Because, I mean, who would want to go and be with addicts when, you know, you've never... I don't know. To me, that just seems very stressful. Uh, it's a tough job. I mean, I, I, what's interesting about addiction is compared to, let's say, cancer. Let's say, hypothetical, I mean, I, someone gets cancer and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have cancer. Oh, I have cancer. You need to do this, 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 and this, and it will get rid of the cancer. Okay, I'll do it. An addict, you say, you're an addict. No, I'm not. <laughs> but then if you get them on board, okay, yes, I'm an addict. Okay, if you do this, 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 and this, 
you can recover. You can stay clean and live a great life. An addict will say, no, I'm good. I got this. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I said so that for, a, for 10 years. <laughs> so and a therapist. Life support. like <laughs> Right, exactly. See, that'll wake you up. Yeah. So a therapist, like when I go to therapy, I go to therapy. I go, I've been going every week. I, I love it. hundred percent. And I tried, I like, can you imagine if my therapist, I'm like, I, if you're going to therapy and then you won't listen to your therapist at all, that's got to be hard. So yeah, I don't know how people it's a waste of do money. it. And I know, I know I'm, I'm speaking of money. I, I can be pretty, be pretty wasteful with money, but I not when it comes to it. therapy. <laughs> um, no therapy. I've been something I used to not want to do because pride i will be seen as weak and then just my traumatic events came a lot quicker and sooner um after following you know the previous one and then i was you know i got to talk about some stuff so i started it was surface level and then it got a little deeper but until you know i went to those rehabs i was like i got to do a lot of group talking so that 2019 was kind of the year where I was like, there. I like therapy. Talking kind of helps me, but I didn't always show that, you know, on the outside. Um, but yeah, therapy is something that anyone I think can benefit from. Um, yeah, whether you're I think struggling so too. or not, just someone to talk life with—the good, the bad, the ugly, the you know things to look forward to. Yeah, there are days when I talk to my therapist, like like I'm going through something right now that's really challenging. And so it's, it's, it's intense. Therapy is intense right now. Um, but then there are days where we're just like having a conversation and I still feel better afterwards. Yeah, it's rewarding. An expensive conversation, but it's good. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so tell us, uh, cause we were talking a little before, um, kind of your story a little more in depth, if you don't mind, cause you, um, you know, struggle with some addiction and, um, kind of what was your moment when you realized I can't, I can't be doing this anymore. And just, you know, talk to our listeners about that. Cause I'm sure there's people yeah. listening who are addicts and who haven't gotten to the point that we're at right now and, uh, realizing that we don't need that in our lives. Well, it's interesting. Cause I just thought about, I've had, I had two moments of clarity I had two of those moments. I started using drugs. I started drinking at 15, but not a lot, like not a lot. Like I think I maybe drank once when I was 15, once when I was 16, maybe got drunk when I was 18. Like I, if you had looked at me and then looked at my classmates and you thought, who's going to be the addict? It would not have been me <laughs> because I, feel I just comfortable saying that about myself as well. In high school. Yeah, I was like, I was a goody two shoes. I like even like right before senior year, a bunch of my friends got arrested. And I asked them recently, like, did they do that kind of thing all the time? You not get arrested, but what they got arrested for. And they said, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I said, Well, why didn't you invite me? And they were like, because Brian, you were goody two shoes. Why would we have invited you? I said, Well, guess what? I'm a drug addict now. Not so goody two shoes. But <laughs> But that's uh, so I so it took a long time when I moved to New York City. Um, you know, I grew up in Mississippi and I felt like I couldn't truly be myself there. But when I moved to New York, I could just be out and be myself. And but I hadn't dealt with and this can apply to anyone who isn't comfortable in their own skin. 
I didn't do any of the work. And so I started to do more drugs because I didn't want to have to deal with any of my internal stuff. Plus the trauma that happened to me as a kid, I had a lot of traumatic things happen to me when I was 15, 16 years old. And it just kept progressing. The usage kept progressing. And I had this really good restaurant job. Um, the acting job, jobs were here and there. I had this really good restaurant job. And then the day before my last day, because I had booked an acting job, I got so messed up the night before. But I showed up anyway to my brunch shift. And I remember they eventually they pulled me down the office and they said, Brian, you got to go home and don't come back tomorrow. And I said, are you firing me before my last day? They're like, yes. And so they like did the paperwork or whatever. And then the, it was just me and the owner. And he looked at me and he goes, I have watched this city eat up and spit out so many young, talented people like you. And he said, and you're just going to be another one. And I thought at first I was like, what the hell is he talking about? And then I, I left and I thought it was Union Square. It was bright. It was like sunny day in New York. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, he's right. And I called my mother, my mother and father. And I said to them, then I said, I said, I had a drinking problem. I wasn't ready to admit the drugs to them or me. And they were like, oh, okay. I said, but I'm going on this acting job. So we'll talk about this later. Well, by the time I'm on tour and my parents came to visit me in Ohio, I remember. And they said, so do we need to help you get into rehab or something? And at that point, the moment of clarity, the window had closed. I said, I don't have a problem. What are you talking about? And they said, but you called us and told us you had a problem. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, I was just like having a moment. (laughs) I said, I had a moment. Oh, I know this. So flash forward. You know, so 10 years later, well, before that I did, I was in a very violent, toxic relationship and uh, I went to get some help about that and ended up going to my very first 12 step meeting. It did not take, I didn't even really want to be there. I was probably drunk at the meeting, but, um, but 10 years after that first moment of clarity, I had left New York, had a disastrous year in Los Angeles strapped down leather straps the drugs had progressed from like drinking every day and partying on the weekend to heavy partying and you know you know i was like using mostly alcohol and cocaine for a long time and then in the end i needed to be a little speedier so i started doing adderall and crystal meth and i i I lived in la doing crystal meth and i ended up back in mississippi and, you know, the truth of the matter is, I think I was living with my parents and it's easier to be 2000 miles away and pull the wool over someone's eyes. But when you are under their roof, it's a lot harder. <laughs> and is. plus, I had gotten to the it is. And I had gotten to the point where I didn't give up. I don't know if I can cuss on here. Can I cuss? Yeah, I didn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> I have to use that word because that was my attitude. That's the mentality, though, for someone who's in it. Yeah. I I mean, that's the mentality I had, too. (laughs) Yeah. My dad said, I knew we were in trouble when you didn't even bother to lie anymore. And that was where I was. I did not care. And I went on two, two runs. I went on one run where I ended up running my car into a tree. It's a miracle I didn't die. 
or, or damaged the car, to be honest. Um, and then I, I came back and went on one more run and it was so bad. I like threatened people's lives. I, you know, I like called the cop, not the cops, but I called the hotel. We were all in and it was just a mess. It's amazing. I didn't get arrested that night, but I just had another moment of clarity when I finally got it, that I was a drug addict. You know, some of our, the literature where I go to, I go to meetings talks about like, we get to the point where we finally go, could it be the drugs? And that was me. I was like, oh my God. And I reached out for help and I went to treatment and it wasn't, it was a bumpy week. The first week was pretty bumpy. Like I still wanted to drink when I got out. I didn't want to work steps. I did not want to go to meetings for 90 minutes, 90 meetings in 90 days or for the rest of my life. But somewhere, you know, it's so funny. They're like, oh, yeah, 90 meetings in 90 days. That's it. But pretty much one day at a time. But, yeah, you got to go forever. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's yeah. all contradictory. But uh, somewhere around that first week, I just fully surrendered. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And I, I've been, you know, seven and a half years. That's a long time. That's without, a long time. You know, I think the hardest thing I've ever I've done in the seven and a half years, I had terrible migraines. And uh, the hospital gave me Benadryl on an IV. I didn't even want to do that. I was like, I don't want to take Benadryl. That makes me feel weird. And I was like, who am I? <laughs> who am I? Yeah. Triggers though. You just don't know like how yeah. it can make you feel. And um, and for me, I, f- I mean, I'm a year out kind of. And I, even though I say now it's never going to happen again, you know, seven, eight, 10 year, you know, you can be feeling more comfortable and you always have to be on your guard as an addict. Uh, yes. Cause it's a slippery yeah. slope. I've watched drink. Yeah. I see it all the time. Work. I see it at work. And then I saw it, you know, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of people, I was good with like zoom meetings. I didn't mind them. Now I'm kind of over them, but even though this zoom is fabulous, but I like, I got to a point where I, I was kind of like, I, I want to be in person, but the convenience of Zoom is pretty cool. But I watched people disappear, like people with 10 years, 20 years, just disappear. And then I see them come back either relapsed or I saw them come back and say, I almost relapsed. And uh, that's a really scary thing. So it just reminds me that, you know, my last sponsor, he actually passed away a couple of months ago. I have a new sponsor. He would always say, we have an incurable disease. And that's so important for me to remember. It's incurable. That doesn't mean my life's going to be bad. I have a fabulous life, but I have an incurable disease. And it's so important to remember. Yeah. Um, I mean, my first tattoo was one day at a time. Um, Good one. I didn't get it for alcohol or anything. Um or addiction that for me that was because anxiety and depression was big for me and I could never live in the moment. I was always worrying about my past and how my past was going to affect my future and how I wasn't going to amount to anything because of my past. So, I mean, the, the present moment was escaping for me. I wasn't living it because I was always in fear of either the past or the future or both of them you just so that was just and now i look down at it you know after i got it and sometimes it helped and sometimes it was just words to me but yeah i mean it's a to me it's a special tattoo because all we have is the moment right now because last year 
I was living. And then the next moment I wasn't, I mean, thankfully due to technology and medicine, I was brought back and they revived me, but you know, I actually, I, I lived it. And now I know we're not granted the next moment. It can be taken. We're not. Yeah. One day at a time is such a great, a great concept. Like it's so good. And I like one moment at a time, one minute at a time. Now, when it comes to like using one day at a time has been good. I'm, I've been felt very lucky, but when it comes to anxiety and depression, like I found myself, I, I suffer. I don't, I wouldn't say I suffer from like depression, but I have depressive moods mm-hmm. and I have to remind myself this will pass. Just get through this moment. It will pass. Um, and it, it always like does yeah it will because in the moment it doesn't feel like it is but it will pass <laughs> you just, it, yeah for sure yeah. sometimes i have to there are some days where i literally have to have a new day like i can't like i'll do all the things they tell you to do i meditate i breathe in and out i you know i pray i go for a run or you know Eat a, even eat some chocolate or something, and it's just like, yeah, there's but there are some days where it's like, you know what, none of this is cutting it. I just got to go to bed and start over. Just <laughs> and as long as sleep. I go to bed, yes, because then you can have an actual new day. <laughs> yeah, an actual new day. Yeah, but I love one day at a time. It's really helpful. Yeah, for it's helped me <laughs> a lot. Uh, and then even the one minute at a time when I'm having that anxiety attack all right, breathe. What's going on? Why are you having this? Like you got this. It's not going to be forever. Just breathe, concentrate, say a prayer. It'll pass. Whereas prior, you know, when I was in my addiction and, you know, really dealing with that anxiety and depression and didn't know why, because I hadn't dealt with any of my emotions. I mean, it would go on, you know, cause, and I would be in psychosis from not sleeping in that addiction diet, you know, the Slim Jim energy drinks and my 200 milligrams of Adderall and whatever. Yeah. You know. um, <laughs> For me, it was Doritos and sour Skittles. That was my food of choice. Yeah. Mine was Slim Jim and Chex Mix, the, the bowl party <laughs> or the cheddar. And then I was. How are we still alive? Starts. By God's grace. <laughs> yes, no kidding. Kickstarts. Um, I couldn't even afford those. <laughs> well, I didn't eat anything, uh, so I was able to or spend my money. That's right. <laughs> um, it's true. So um, what advice, um, you know, would you have for any listener kind of that I mentioned that might be, you know, struggling with going to rehab or kind of what to do next steps and um, talk to kind of shed some light on that for our listeners. Maybe if you could. Yeah. You know, it's, I was just talking to a guy. He actually reached out to me on TikTok about um, needing help and he needs to go to treatment. And, you know, I think we know when we need to go, it's just like choose like making that decision is so hard and I always say to people, if you can't stop on your own, then treatment is the right decision because I needed to be taken. I needed to be removed from people, places, and things. I needed to be removed and placed in a safe place. Now people can become in- institutionalized like, like we were talking about before. Oh, I got and, it. Um, to me. 
easily. Yeah, and you know, try not to get (laughs) it is a hard life because then it's like yeah, it's a very hard life, and then you become insurance dependent, and it's just like they don't want to pay, and it's a mess. But you know, that's what I say when it comes to treatment. If you can't stop on your own, but our minds will tell us, "Oh, I can do it this time," but that's insanity. That is the insanity of addiction, Um, because every time we keep repeating the same thing over and over. Um, But, you know, some people aren't ready. I think honesty, you know, the thing that helped me so much in the beginning was that trifecta, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness that you really hear a lot in treatment and you hear it in meetings and it can be like a parroted thing. But if you really try it, it helps. I mean, and you can start doing like, that before you even like fully are working any kind of program like honesty it's not as hard as you think (laughs) especially if you stop doing things that you don't want to tell people about but I think uh talking to people is so important you know like just tell people what you're going through um it's okay there are so many people out there who want to listen and addiction will tell us that we no one wants to hear from us. No one cares about us. We are need to isolate, be alone because addiction wants to kill you. <laughs> and so it's easier to kill you alone when you're isolated and alone. So I know I, I my phone is always on. Like, I mean, maybe sometimes I go on do not disturb, but most of the time it's on. Uh, and so that's that's kind of like my advice to people is don't be afraid to reach out for help because there are a lot of people who have been there. There are a lot of people who have been there. I remember sitting in a meeting not too long ago with a guy who was brand new and we were just kind of like, we may not look like it, but we have all been where you are or we wouldn't be here today. And he was like, whoa, like it blew his mind. You know, it really blew his mind. So. Yeah. And then something big for me in that, you know, you've shared, but community, um, like without community, I feel like we're nothing because we isolate, we get in our thoughts, and then that cycle starts creeping back up. And then eventually, you know, you're off to the races again. But then you can also have bad community, which I think you and I both know where the community you're hanging out with is getting you into trouble and leading you down those bad rabbit holes. Um yeah, the communities that we're in now and, you know, ones I'm forming and um, growing um, are going to be ones that are positive and ones that I need to be around like minded people. And they're going to call me on my uh, BS or when, you know, if I'm slipping and that accountability, those are true friends, ones who are going to hold you accountable and have those tough conversations because they want to see you succeed. Um, I mean, to me, that's a true community and it's what we all need because we're all struggling at the end of the day and we're not all having the same struggles and, you know, some are far and few between than others, but at some point every humans has a struggle and how do you cope with that? Some, you know, go to addiction and for, you know, you and I addiction didn't start out, you know, we didn't think we were going to be the addicts and the uh, ones strapped down to gurneys and yeah. name it. But definitely, it, not. It, it can hit anyone. It can come from, you know, your lower class to your upper class to your 
athletes, you know, mental health, addiction, anxiety, depression, it affects everyone. Um, and I was talking earlier that show that I watched on Netflix, the documentary that I think everyone should go watch, um, talking about Marty fish, a, uh, world renowned. He was ranked number one in tennis at one point. Um, but the documentary talks about him and his, uh, severe anxiety disorder and, like I was saying, it can hit, you know, even athletes and he even forfeited a big match because he couldn't, you know, couldn't handle it. And, um, it was no longer his safe haven on that tennis court. And, um, he took, I think three years off, but it's a good story for, um, anyone. Um, I think it was an hour and a half, maybe hour and 15 minutes, but talking with someone, uh, who deals with anxiety on that, you know, platform level and kind of how he, dealt with it and deals with it still because as we were talking earlier uh it's a one day at a time it's it's always gonna you're you're seven and a half eight years out and you know it's maybe not every day but you're still having to deal with that's incurable as you said earlier um so yeah we just have to be on top yeah. of it yeah and life happens one of the gifts of getting to live is that life continues to happen <laughs> you know and so that's uh really important to remember and you know people die people die clean people die old and it hurts it hurts sometimes i've had a lot of loss this year and i you know i had my best friend die i had an ex die my sponsor died these were things that i had not experienced before and i had to walk through that in recovery anew and thank goodness for my communities and not just my 12 step community i have my film community I have my CrossFit community. I have my TikTok community. You know, I like it's I mean, it started off, I just had, you know, my my 12 step people, but then I I branched out and you know, accountability, I love it. I mean, it's yeah, you don't want a friend who's gonna say yes to everything. You want a friend who's gonna love you and call you out on your stuff (laughs) in a loving, caring way. Correct. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I needed that tough love kind of yeah even in the hospital beds when I was like, okay, I understand the severity of this, but I'm, I'm good. No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So to community, like in my family, those were the people I pushed away the hardest when I was, you know, at my worst and they're still talking to me. Love me. We're going to the beach this weekend together for Easter. Um, so without them, you know, I would not be here. Um, because my sister especially um, practiced the most tough love for me. And I hated her for it at the time, but I love her for it now because I'm here. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So on a lighter note, real quick before we wrap up this episode, I don't know if our listeners know, but uh, you were on Wheel of Fortune or no, Price is Right, right? That's right. Yes, the Price is Right. Price is right. How was that experience on a lighter note? After oh my God. We've talked about it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, I got a random text message saying, this is the price is right. You have been recommended to us from by, by someone. Can you do a, an audition? And thank goodness. I didn't say this is some spam text. And so I said, sure. And I did like my computer 
I had this, I had to stand up. It was on zoom. I had it on my dresser. And in five minutes, they asked me, what do you do? Where are you from? What's your favorite game on the price is right. Okay. Now we're going to call you down and you have to show us some big energy. And it was so embarrassing. I was like, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 bigger. <laughs> and I was just screaming at the top of my lungs at nine in the morning in my apartment. And then it kind of ended and she was like, great. I love you. Um, we'll see if the producers love you. I don't hear anything for about six weeks. And then I get another text. You've been picked to be in the audience with the prices right tomorrow. No, it was in two days. And so I had to, I could, it was, a, and then they said, you can bring, what did they say? You can bring up to five people. You must bring one person and you all have to get COVID tested at CBS studios tomorrow. So that's when I was like, oh crap, well, let me just bring one person. The guy running, I shouldn't tell, this is a secret. I probably shouldn't tell, but the guy running the COVID check was actually one of the producers. So I think he was like there to scope us out. And then the day of the show, um, they interviewed all of us in like little groups. And I thought everyone was so over the top. And I was just kind of like, I mean, I have a big personality, but yeah. <clears throat> I thought, I said, I can't do this. I can't be that big. And my friends said, be yourself. That's what they want. Just be yourself. And so they asked me what I did for a living. And I told them. I said, I work for a trauma center in LA, here in LA. And, you know, I'm just, I like to help people and that's it. And then I got called down. I got called down and I won big. <laughs> I tell won big. Tell everyone what you won. <laughs> so first I won a computer. That's, that's what I had to bid to get called onto the stage. So I won a computer. And then the game was do the math. And you had to, there were two trips, a trip to Alaska, a trip to Hawaii. And I had to choose pretty much which one was the most expensive. I did. I won. So I won both of those trips. I won the cash difference between the trips. And then I landed on the dollar when I spun the wheel. So I won a thousand bucks. Now, I sadly lost the showcase. But to be honest, I won so much. I'm so happy. And the guy who won the whole thing. He was the only guy that day who didn't win his game. So I felt good that he won because then we all won. Everyone was a winner. <laughs> yes. Now I think about my, my six-year-old car and I think it would be nice to have won that brand new car. <laughs> but you would have had to pay the taxes on it. I sure would. Oh my gosh. I'm not even like talk about one day at a time. I'm not ready to go there yet. <laughs> but yeah, I'll owe taxes on all the w prizes next year so next year. it's gonna be it's gonna be rough yet no so i go to alaska in september and hawaii in october that's gonna yeah. be exciting times yeah i'm gonna take my parents to hawaii and i'm actually taking my friend who helped put me into treatment the one i was telling the story about who i went to her house in tupelo i'm taking her to alaska because i mean i can never repay her for what she did in helping me get clean but I can at least take her to Alaska. <laughs> and yeah, I went to Alaska with the family on a National Geographic cruise in 11th grade. So that would have been 08 or 07. Thought it was going to be the most boring trip of my life as a high schooler going to Alaska on a, you know, with National Geographic. But 
best experience I've ever been on. We would uh, drop anchor, hike the islands and uh, kayak around with the whales and uh, the scientists. Amazing trip. So you'll have a good time. That's cool. I can't wait. I I've can't wait. And then I'll, uh, my it's, you know, it was, it's on, it's on my mom's bucket list. Like she, it's been her dream to go to Hawaii her whole life. So I'm almost just excited to see my mom in Hawaii. Now I'm excited to go to, <laughs> I'm excited to go to. Well, you yeah, it'll be fun trips. That'll be good. And it'll be good memories with, uh, you know, close loved ones and, uh, friends. So yeah, for sure. Can't wait. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, any last things you want to say to our listeners? Well, I just want to say, uh, you know, if you're struggling, you're not alone. Like we said earlier, everyone is going through something. Everyone's going through something and that's okay. It's okay. You're not alone. Yep. It's okay to not be okay. Exactly. That's it. It's not easy, but it's okay to not be okay. You're going to get through it one day at a time. And who are you surrounding yourself with? And also, as we talked about, just talk to someone, you know, get it off your chest, allow someone to just listen to you and community is big and opening up and sharing your struggles because keeping them quiet is only going to make it worse as it did for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. It's a blessing and, you know, that we're both still here because there's a lot of people that we've met that haven't made it. Um, and, and that's, you know, the reason for this podcast. I want to be able to have guests on and allow them to share their struggles and stories and, you know, share their wisdom and advice to our listeners because we're all struggling. And, um, you know, I feel like it's it, awareness needs to be brought um, and it's happening, but it needs to be more. And uh, you're working, you know, helping people um, with something that you struggled with. And, you know, I'm trying to just bring awareness and let people know that we're all struggling. We're in it together and it's called life and we can do it together. And it'd be a lot easier. Um, Cause if, whether you're struggling with addiction, depression, anxiety, you know, eating issues, you know, sexual um, issues, whatever it is, talking with someone, you know, opening up about your struggles, not to everyone, but to those <laughs> trust and that, you know, you feel are true friends and going to be there uh, for you because until I opened up, I wasn't getting any better. I was getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, thank you again for coming on the show and spending some time with us, sharing your story, struggles and uh, triumphs, you know, because it's a blessing as we're both here. And I'm glad to have met you in 2019 at the Oxford Treatment Center. Um, yeah. And just have a little time, yeah. catch up, talk and just talk life and uh, struggles that a lot of people are dealing with and that needs to be talked about and heard. So I appreciate your time and willingness to do this. Uh, I'm I'm honored. It means a lot that you asked me. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. And thank you. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, you're welcome. And thank you. Um, so everyone, thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. If you have any comments, questions, or want to come on the show as a guest, uh, feel free to reach out uh, via email, the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. And then 
follow us and subscribe on Instagram and whatever platform you listen, uh, Spotify, Apple podcast or YouTube and get the word out there. Uh, but thank you all for tuning in and stay tuned for next week. Alrighty y'all. Bye.